Hi everyone and welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder. I'm a senior director at CFGI and if you'd like to contact me you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to catch up with you. Remember this is the show that digs deeper to understand what really matters most in business and today we've got a great conversation lined up. If you work in professional services, if you are a business owner, this show is for you. This is about how to grow your business. And today I'm pleased to welcome a, uh, a legend in my profession, a fellow by the name of Rod Burkert, who is the founder of Burkert Valuation Advisors. Rod, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thanks, Dave, for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. So just to set the frame for the audience, and I'll ask you to introduce yourself. So Rod is a well-known guy in the valuation profession, and he's helped many, many thousands of folks in our space in learning how to grow and scale their business. And in talking with Rod over the years, it occurs to me that his wisdom is not just applicable to our profession, but anyone in professional services. And also, if you're a business owner, the concepts that Rod's gonna to share today will be super helpful for you. So I uh, hope I didn't step on anything there, Rod. Why don't you tell the folks a little bit about who you are? Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the 30,000 foot overview is, uh, I'm a recovering accountant. Um, by background and training, I am a certified public accountant licensed in Pennsylvania. Um, and I started out in the accounting world working for the big four. Um, I worked for Price Waterhouse back when it was still really Price Waterhouse. Um, I spent some time in Europe with Price Waterhouse and then went into industry, like many public accounting professionals do, went back into public accounting. And um, in the very, in like the mid 1990s, I found um, the business valuation profession. And I had just thought that. You know, I had uh, stumbled onto something that I would be really good at because it combined, you know, accounting knowledge, because frankly, I didn't really care for accounting and tax all that much um, with finance. And I had an MBA from uh, Lehigh University, and it was just a way of pulling it all together. And real quickly after that, um, I started doing business valuations in the mid 1990s. Um, I started my own firm in July of 2000, and I've been a solo practitioner um, ever since. And uh, so July 2000, so the last 21 years, coming up on 21 years, and the last 11 of those 21 years, my wife and I have been um, doing this full-time from an RV. So I live, work, travel. Um, full-time in an RV. There's no home. There's no storage facility. Um, everything that we own fits in a 37-foot motorhome. And my mission or my goal or my, and my wife's goal is just to travel the country and see what we can do while there is still stuff to see out there. That's fantastic. And uh, for those who are just listening, I have to point out that Rod is wearing his signature orange shirt. That's, uh, that's your personal brand color, right? Yeah, I mean, um, when I started my own practice, um, and particularly the coaching practice, I looked around at other business valuation websites. And as you can imagine, they are the traditional navy blues, steel grays, blacks, and reds. And I thought, man, how boring. If you want to stand out, you have to be willing to be different. So my colors are um, I call it sunrise blue and sunset orange. And um, I think I own, at one point I've counted, I think I own a dozen different orange shirts and t-shirts that I, that, and that's all I wear. 
I've never seen you in anything other than orange, and that's cool. You know, as a, as a Philadelphia Flyers fan, I bleed orange, and orange is my favorite color, <laughs> so all good. Uh, let's jump into the conversation here, Rod. So again, just to set the frame, whether you're in professional services or you're a business owner, at, at some point you're doing the work, and at some point you're responsible for growing the business and selling the work. Talk to us about the, the one-to-one business model. I know you've got some interesting philosophies on that and, and how that doesn't scale. So... I do, um, I'm, I'm sort of like a player coach. Um, as Dave mentioned, I do business valuations. Um, but some of the things I'm going to say here are going to be applicable to, you know, whether you're an attorney or an architect or um, a CPA, um, really anything in professional services, a lot of what I think I'm going to, a lot of what I'm saying, I think will apply to your profession. For sure. And but, but speaking directly as a CPA and a business valuation person whose job it is to parachute into other people's businesses and tell business owners how they can improve the value of their business for you know, whatever reason, um, we suffer from our own really, really terrible business model. And I'm just going to elaborate here for a second. As a CPA, as a business appraiser, we are supposed to be these sophisticated, educated, nuanced, intelligent, um, trusted business advisors. And yet most people in my profession, especially those that are in very small firms, have a terrible business model. And as you alluded to, Dave, um, you know, there's three components of it. But the first one is we all follow one-to-one client service. Well, what does that mean? It means that we work on one engagement, one job at a time. Um, While I'm working for client A, I can't be simultaneously working on client B or client C or client D because what we do is so bespoke that you can't duplicate your work effort for another client. And so that's what I mean by one-to-one. And and the end result of that is it just doesn't scale. Um, The only way that you can make more money in this business um, is by leveraging staff and right now hiring, you know, good qualified uh, valuation analysts is pretty tough. Um, And your other option uh, is simply to work harder. And, you know, Dave, I don't know about you, but I didn't go to college and earn these advanced degrees so that I could have my nose to the grindstone and just grind out more hours to make more money. There's, there's gotta be a different way. Yeah. And I think there is. And believe me, I think that resonates uh, not just with myself, but with anybody out there in in professional services or just working in the business world um, or working anywhere, frankly, Uh, it, 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 some days it does feel like a grind. Um, when you talked about you know, the one-to-one model and you know, a lot of the smaller shops, certainly when you get into the larger firms, we have the ability to leverage and <clears throat> excuse me, we can work on multiple client engagements at the same time, uh, whether through leverage or just managing our own individual time. But at, at some point, uh, there's, there's, as you call it, the, the one and done, right? It, they're, they're projects by nature. And at some point, those projects end and you've got to fill the pipeline. How do we do that, Rod? Yeah, I mean, just to elaborate on that a little bit, I mean, again, we're supposed to be these really smart business people. 
And traditionally, the service that we offer is not only one-to-one client service, but it is once in time. And um, until I started changing things around in my practice, I was guilty of this and had a wake-up call. But, you know, I did a lot of valuations for estate tax purposes. And I don't know about you, Dave, but the decedent, I've only found that the decedent uh, dies one time. Um, and so you, you know, you've got to replace that work. And many people that I work with, they're not focused on practice growth. They're focused on client replacement because every year we essentially start with a zero book of business. We may have referral sources that we're counting on sending work our way, um, throughout the year, but we definitely don't know that that's going to happen. Um, and I think how to fix this problem is sort of, um, you know, we have this anathema to marketing and selling ourselves, selling ourselves, marketing ourselves, selling our services. So not only are we have a lot of reluctance to sell that first engagement, for some reason, it feels even more icky to us to say, hey, we just finished this project. Um, we helped you value your business. We noticed a couple of things that if tweaked or improved or worked on or consulted with together, we could grow the value of your business. Are you interested in, and let's just call it some type of value improvement consulting services? I mean, that's the obvious step is to upsell or cross-sell other things that are already in our wheelhouse and that we're capable of doing. But hey, I just put myself out there getting the original sale. Now, Rod, do you want me to go back and press for more work? I, you know, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. And that's part of the problem with our business model. Yep. Rod, uh, before we jump to a quick commercial break here, tell the folks watching and listening how they can contact you if they want to learn more, pick your brain, work with you, or just find out where you get your cool orange apparel. Sure. Well, the easiest way to get a hold of me is I'm um, I'm an incredibly active user of LinkedIn, and so believe it or not, my number one choice is you know that maybe you uh, want to message me on on LinkedIn. Um, you, Rod Burkert is my profile name. Uh, the other and the other best way would be via email, um, and my email address is rod r o d is in door at rodburkert.com. Great. Rod, don't go anywhere. We're going to pause and pay a few bills here. For you folks watching and listening, stay put. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break.
and welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about growing and scaling your business with Rod Burkert, who's the founder of Burkert Valuation Advisors. Rod, at, at the end of the first segment, you alluded to something. You mentioned that it's an anathema for professional services folks to sell, and, and that really resonates. I've seen it throughout my career uh, working in accounting firms. You see people come up the ranks with their technical toolbox, great skill sets, and then at some point they have aspirations to become you know, partner level. And someone taps them on the shoulder inevitably and says, well, if you want to do that or to be successful in this firm, you're going to have to go sell. And most of the time, they don't know what that means. You said it's an anathema. They're not wired that way. How can folks in the professional services space get comfortable in shifting that mindset if they have that fundamental flaw of this is an anathema for me? Sure. Um and I will answer that question, and I just, but I just want to give a quick introduction to two different concepts here, marketing and selling. Marketing is not selling. Selling is selling. So marketing is nothing more than creating awareness about who you are and what you do. And there's a lot of ways that you can, can do that. I mean, you can speak, um, you can write, you can broadcast like a podcast or a video series. So that's marketing. Um, not to be confused with selling. Selling is selling. Selling is taking um, interested leads who've raised their hand, um, who are um, want to know more about what you provide, and converting them into a client. And my the, the mindset that I think you need to adopt is that if you're really that good, don't you want to help people? Um, I think the people. I think the reason people don't want to sell is because they're uncomfortable. But what really are you uncomfortable with? What you do, or how you do it, or how much you charge for it? If you're proud of what you do, you should want clients. You should want to go out there and and have opportunities to demonstrate who you are, what you do, how you do it, and the clients that you can help. And I think most often. Our selling efforts, uh, and I heard this at a webinar, um, at a conference presentation, um, our idea of selling is that we're back in the office aggressively waiting for the phone to ring. <laughs> we don't want to put ourselves out there because we might make a mistake or we might look foolish and you know, you know, not only to ourselves, but to our friends or our family or our peers or our colleagues. And I just feel like we need to get over ourselves and Go back to saying, "Hey, if I'm really good at what I at what I do, I should be helping other people. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I actively sell my services." Yeah, man, you said a couple of things there that really hit home. Uh, the actively waiting for the phone to ring. I know several folks throughout my career who got really excited about answering a phone call from an existing client and got off and thought they sold something. So that that's really not the case. Uh, but when you talk about being out there, right? So folks being in that in that mindset of being selling, I I totally get and appreciate the idea of taking that shift from I'm selling to I'm helping and adding value. And that that's fundamental. But how can folks get out there and be more visible on that, we'll call it the marketing side, so that they can attract more people to have that selling conversation with? Sure. So as I said, there are there are a bunch of tactics, you know, ground level tactics that you can do and start with what you are most comfortable with. Now, for me, 
Um, I love to write. It comes really easy to me, but you know, I'd rather not attend an in-person networking event. I find those uncomfortable. You, your audience, the people in your audience, they may be scared to death of writing, um, but think nothing of speaking to a group. So the first recommendation that I really have is choose something that you're already comfortable with or least uncomfortable with doing to get yourself out there. And the reason I say that is because you want to start with things that have a high ease of completion for you um, so that you won't dread doing the things that you know that you're really good at doing. Um, because the more you do those things, the faster you're going to see results um, and the more momentum you're going to create to keep going and doing those things. And eventually, you know, you might branch out into a podcast or, you know, a TV series, Dave, or speaking in front of groups or, you know, whatever it is that you're, you know, filling the gaps around whatever your primary way of starting the conversation is. As I said, for me, that's writing, um, fo probably followed by speaking. Um, what are you, you know, what are you good at? What would you not mind doing or learning how to do better? Yeah, Rod, I know you have a personal goal of, of giving everyone else in the professional services space what you would consider to be your RV kind of lifestyle, where basically you have a personal life balance, where you have more freedom. How can folks connect with you to learn how you can help them with that? Well, again, you know, come, uh, contacting me through LinkedIn or direct outreach through email, either one of those are going to work. Um, I am not going to try and shoehorn you into an RV, but what I have found over the years is that people have what I call an RV equivalent desire. Um, you might not want to be in a 37-foot motorhome with your spouse and two dogs traveling around the country constantly. That's not your cup of tea, which is totally fine. But what are you putting on hold? Um, what are you waiting for that you think you need to wait for in order to do something different or something that augments your life or your lifestyle with your business. Um, I mean, I can tell you that in 11 years of traveling in the RV all over the country um, with all sorts of Wi-Fi connections, I've never had somebody turn me down to the best of my knowledge. I've never had somebody say to me, ah, you know what, Rod, I just found out you live in an RV. Um, that's not going to work for us. Um, geography is really becoming less important, less important where you are, much more important who you are and, and what have you done. You asked a very good question. I know it's not rhetorical when you ask the audience, what are you waiting for? Um, in your experience, Rod, maybe you can help bust a few myths here. What have you heard? What, what, what are people waiting for and where are they missing the mark? Well, again, my from my experience a lot of it is well i just bought this house um, my kids i'm going to wait till my kids graduate from high school or college or i've got grandchildren that i could you know never separate myself from um you know it's a constant waiting or postponement of what you think of the ducks that you think that need to be aligned um, before you do something else. And, and, and again, to bring this back home, we, Amy and I, my wife, we had never been in an RV. 
Um, we didn't, when we decided that we were going to do this, we didn't rent one for a weekend to see how it was going to go. Um, from the moment I said to Amy, you know, do you want to consider doing this to the time that we moved into an RV, sold our home and were full-time travelers, three months went by. We did this whole thing in 90 days. And the hardest part of that kind of experience is just the decision to do it. Once we had decided to pursue that, um, the rest, you know, everything else fell in line with our CPA analytical mind. It's like, okay, if I want to get to, you know, point D down the road, I've got to do A, B, and C. And we're very good linear thinkers. So whatever your D down the road is, what I call, you know, again, whatever your RV equivalent desire or RV equivalent experience um, is, pursue it, you know, figure it out. Um, a really good friend of mine um, gave me a concept that I'll pass on to you. And it's just called possibility thinking. Instead of thinking, you know, no, this is never going to work, have more of a mindset of well, how can I make this work and make, and this being whatever it is that you want to pursue. And so Dave, I mean, not to bring this answer out long-term, but we're seeing younger and younger people on the road. They are homeschooling their kids because they would have had to homeschool them the last year. Anyhow, they're doing, but this, we're seeing this happen before COVID Um, people are, are taking their kids online with school I can tell you that I've met some incredibly polished 11 and 12, 13 year olds who don't read about history in a book. They get taken to, you know, the historical things that their um, their fellow students would have only read about or heard about and not experienced in person. Rod, we only have about two minutes to go in the program here, but I wanted to just sneak one more question in at the end here and, and ask you for some advice for the folks who are watching and listening. Uh, maybe if you could boil down a couple of thoughts and tips, suggestions, either things to be doing or things to be avoiding to help them with this whole mindset shift. <clears throat> sure. So you already, you know, this is a great time. I mean, I hate to, to be one more pundit talking about the pandemic, but if there was ever a better time to fit um, a different life or lifestyle or come up with a different idea, now's the time. Um, but uh, a very, very simple tool is this. I would make six boxes, um, three across the top, three across the bottom. On the left-hand side, I would put things that I like and things that I don't like underneath that. And then across those three boxes, uh, the first box is pre-pandemic. The middle box is, you know, pandemic. And the third box is post-pandemic. And actually list out, you know, there were probably things that you didn't like that were pre-pandemic. Um, and there were probably things that you do like about being in the pandemic. So how do you merge those first two columns, the, the pre-pandemic and the pandemic boxes with the post-pandemic, um, combining the things that you like and that you don't like? How do you carry those forward into your new life? Yeah, build the road. Simple tool. Yeah, and you know, actually, Dave, I don't know how to do this, but... If somebody sends me a message with um, just put the word tool in it, T-O-O-L, um, I'll know what you're talking about. And I will send you, I've, I've already prepared this, this 
um, this framework for my coaching clients, I'm happy to send it to any of your guests um, if they want a clearer picture of what I'm asking them to do. Well, thanks for sharing that. Take them up on that, folks. Send them a message through LinkedIn and use the word tool and compliment him on his orange apparel. Rod, thank you so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. Always a great time chatting with you. All right, Dave. Thanks again. Take care. All righty. Thank you at home or wherever you are watching and listening to Behind the Numbers. Again, I'm Dave Bookbinder, and you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Please do reach out. Till we meet again, take care. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers, everybody.